when uh, when I was in college, I went to a small uh, Baptist college, uh, East Texas um, Christian College. I uh, spurred the Aggie side of my family, the Texas A&M side of my family. I felt called to ministry, and so uh, I decided to go off to a Christian school and pursue that call. Uh, it was the same school. I had no intention of ever going there because it was the same school that both my parents attended. And uh, if you have ever had parents attend college and then try to push their college on you, uh, you know you don't want to go there. And so I had never intended to go there uh, until God began to work a call in my life, and that's where I ended up. And most of the people that were at college with me were second-generation students just like I was. They were all, all of my friends' parents went to school with my parents, uh, including my wife. My wife's parents went to school with my parents. We didn't know each other uh, for the first 19 years of our lives, but our parents knew each other. And so it's just kind of a strange environment. Now, uh, most of my friends that have kids, their kids are going there. I've got two nieces and a nephew that are going there right now. And so it's kind of a third generation in this little small school, about 4,000 students in the middle of East Texas. It's a neat place. And uh, between the time that I went there and the time my parents went there, the campus changed, the, the area changed, the town changed. And uh, in my parents' day, it sat almost in the middle of town. Now it sits in a changing area. Uh, even when I was there in the early 80s, it was a changing community. It was a changing environment. Uh, when you came into the campus, it, it was kind of a differing, like some old campuses, between the community around the campus and the campus when you got there. And so as you drove onto the campus, right before you came to where the campus's main road was, there was a large African-American church. And uh, I never paid any attention to it, simply uh, just drove by it. Uh, I, we, we would see the people out there sometimes on Sunday when we were uh, coming back from church. They'd still be in church. Or when we came back from eating, they'd still be in church. And so we took notice of that. But I never thought anything about it until my second semester, uh, my freshman year, my sweet mate and also one of my great friends came in and said he was driving to school and he noticed that uh, that church was having a revival that night. And so he began to ask and talk about going to this African-American church to the revival they were having. Uh, asking us if we wanted to go, asking us if we would go with him that night. Now, I have to tell you, my only context for an African-American church or an Afri being a part of an African-American uh, worship period was, you know, watching Coming to America. I didn't know much beyond what I saw in that movie. And so, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. But yet on that Tuesday night, three young white guys found ourselves in the parking lot of this African-American church uh, going in with a large crowd that was f surrounding us. And uh, I have to tell you, I'm an introvert, and those of you that know, I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable in uh, new situations and circumstances. Let me just tell you, as an 18, 19-year-old, I was horribly uncomfortable. Uh, not because they did anything, because when we walked to the door, they began to greet us, and they began to come up and hug us and uh, welcome us, and it, they were so inviting, but yet it, it just felt so uncomfortable because it was something, it was a culture, it was a society or social area that I'd never been a part of. So we went in, and we thought we'd get there early so that we could kind of hide in the back, but uh, apparently they always get there early, and so it was full when we got there about 30 minutes early. And, uh, so we found ourselves hiding over in one of the back corners uh, of the worship center, and it was large. It was full because it was several churches doing revival that night. We sat over in the back and sat there 
trying to look inconspicuous if you could. Uh, 350 African-American people worshiping. They were singing and stuff already. And, you know, three young white guys sitting in the back. We kind of stood out to everyone that was there. Uh, one of the ushers came over to us. We were standing there and uh, sitting there, really. And he began to talk to us. He asked us where we were from. And we told him we were from the college. And he said, oh, are you guys preacher boys? And we said, well, uh, not really preacher boys. We're ministerial students. And he said, well, great. He said, ministerial students. And before we knew what was going on, he had ushered us up out of our pew, telling us, come on, come this way. And and, uh, he explained to us that all of the ministers, all of the preachers were getting together before the service. Now, I was trying to go out the back door as he was trying to push us up over to a side room. And if I felt uncomfortable when we came in, I felt I, I was dying going over to the side room. And so we didn't know what to expect. He opened the door to that side room, and there on the floor uh, praying was a group of about 20 other men and women. They, they were dressed in nice suits, and uh, they, were, they were all on their knees, and they were talking as they got ready to pray. And this usher introduced us, and as he introduced us, they each got up, and they would hug us, uh, welcome us, say, come on in, brother. We're so glad to have you. Come on in and they explained that they were getting ready to pray uh, before they went into worship and so we went with the flow it was one of those kind of things you just go with it and so uh, we found ourselves praying and it was an intense time of prayer and I noticed as I as we were praying I could hear in the background the music starting that the, like the church service was already going on and uh, so the service was going on and we got through and as we got through we got ready to me and my two friends sneak back out this side door and he said no all the ministers we're going to go in together and we all sit together and now I, we were planning to leave early okay we we had seen how they did on sunday and we didn't want to sit you know on the stage or on the platform or anywhere uh luckily it wasn't like that they brought us in but they didn't bring us in from the back the door came through the back of the sanctuary through the pulpit area and so choir was singing they were all singing and worshiping and so here we come marching through all of that uh you know great looking well-dressed african-american men and women and uh, uh, three young college white boys <laughs> walking off the stage and, and uh, uh, to say we were inconspicuous, it, there's no such thing. And we walked and we sat on the front pew and uh, the service was incredible. You know, the, the way they do their service and they would have music uh, and the music was awesome and then somebody would get up and preach and just give an incredible message. Uh, then they had some more music, and then they took an offering. Then second preacher got up and began to preach, and uh, then they had some more music. And so after that music, which was the third music, it had been an hour and a half or so already, uh, the pastor of the church got up and began to extend a welcome. And when he did, he said, I, I would like to offer a special welcome uh, to some wonderful young men, some preacher boys from over to college that are here visiting with us. And he, he pointed us out as if that needed to be done, you know. And uh, he said, they're, they're sitting here in the front row. And, uh, and then, you know, that was fine. I, you know, we kind of shrunk and, and didn't say anything. And, uh, but then he continued and he said, now, now we love having young preacher boys here with us. So I am sure one of you has a word for the Lord this morning for the congregation, tonight for the congregation. And I have to tell you, uh, I was sitting in the middle of two guys that I considered my friends at the time. Um, they were both older. They were both uh, more experienced in ministry. Uh, they were both better speakers than me, I thought. And uh, they're both now pastors in large churches. But uh, at that point, as he was saying, I don't think I registered what he was saying. Uh, because they both began to simultaneously pat me on the back and point 
and push. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like you didn't belong? Have you ever felt like that in a situation? Like a situation or circumstance at home or at work or at school where you've gone into a group of people and somehow it's like you're not a part of what's going on. Like no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you're just not a part of the conversation. It's like they look at you like you don't belong or you are not a part of us. Have you ever been a part of a group that uh, maybe at work or, or even at school where you, you tried and you tried and you tried and you, and you always just felt like the outsider, like you weren't in on the inside jokes or you weren't in on the conversations that were being talked about and, and you just kind of were on the outside. Sometimes we feel like that even in church. Have you ever been in church and you felt like that? You come in and you sit down and people look at you and you feel like maybe I'm sitting in somebody else's pew this morning or maybe, uh, you know, I, we don't belong here. You, you kind of feel unwelcomed and you kind of feel like you're a part of the outside. All of us have felt like that. Every one of us in this room has been in situations and circumstances where we felt like we don't belong. And, and the reason we have those circumstances is because the Bible tells us all of us were created with an innate desire to be a part of community. Because you see, we weren't created to be alone. You weren't created to, to try to do this Christian thing on your own. You weren't created uh, to try to make it without anyone else and, and only in your strength. We were created to be a part of a community. We were created to be a part of a faith group. And because of that, there inside of us is this desire to want to be liked, a desire to want to belong, a desire to want to fit in. But Paul told us last week in our study that because of sin, see, we were created to be in community. We were created to be one with everyone else. But because of sin, walls began to develop that separated us from each other. First of all, sin brought a wall between us and God. And it robbed us of the intimacy that we had been planned and we had been purposed for God. It robbed us of our ability to please God. It robbed us of our ability to, to be one with God, to belong with God, to fit in with God. But, but also those walls began to come up in our other relationships because if we weren't right with God, then all of a sudden we couldn't get along with those around us. And so we started building walls. We started building barriers to divide us and to separate us. At first, maybe they were good barriers. Maybe they were barriers to try to help and, and keep the community safe or to keep the group safe. But over time, those walls and those barriers became disruptive and divisive. And we talked about some of them last week, about social walls and, and, and economic walls and gender walls and racial walls and generational walls and even religious walls. Because see, in Paul's time, and here in Ephesians 2, he begins to address what was the greatest wall dividing the new church. You had Jews and Gentiles all worshiping together. They didn't like each other. They came from different economic backgrounds, came from different groups. And so Paul introduces by reminding the, the early church there in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 last week we studied, he introduced the idea that when Jesus came, Jesus came to tear down walls. And not just some walls, all walls. All of those things that we have built up that divide us, that separate us, that cause us to judge, that cause us to look down on each other, Jesus came to destroy them. You see, when he came to destroy the wall that separated us from God, he also destroyed the walls that divided men. 
because he took away any reason we might have for building walls. We learned last week that we build walls out of pride, even, even post-Christianity, oh, even after we've become a part of the church. We build walls because we think we're better than other people or we put undue expectations on each other. And Jesus reminded us and Paul told us that when you accepted Christ, it was by grace alone. You didn't bring anything to the table. It wasn't because you were worthy or you deserved it or you had anything that was going to be good. It was simply by the grace of God because of his loving heart that he offered you salvation through Jesus' death on the cross. And when you receive that salvation, it's not because you're better. It's simply because you acted in faith. You reached back up and received. And when you did that act, when you committed that receiving of Jesus Christ, all barriers in your life came down because you begin to recognize that the person next to you that may dress differently and may have a different skin color may come from a different background they needed the same grace that you needed see jesus came to level the foot at the cross and when we all kneel to receive the grace of god we're all on the same level so paul said last week praise god jesus tear down the walls But that's not enough. It's not enough just to tear down the walls in the church. It's not enough just for us to break the barriers. You see, you've got to build something where those walls were because if you don't, the walls will just come back up. And so this morning's passage, what he's going to do is he's going to take it to the next level and he's going to take it much more personal to help us understand that not only is it okay for you to tear down those racial walls and those socioeconomic walls and those gender walls and those barriers that you built between you and your friends at school that causes you to look down on them, that causes you to judge them, that causes you to treat them differently. Not only does he tear those down, but he has called us to build up something in its place. So if you have a Bible... Real quick, we're going to continue where we were last week, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're at the end of the whole passage, and I just kind of gave you a preview of what he said before then. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. And that consequently is big. What it means is the same thing as therefore does back in verse 13. He says, because the walls have been destroyed... Because all of those things have been taken care of by Jesus Christ, you are no longer a foreigner or an alien. You no longer don't fit in. You no longer don't have a place. You no longer are considered on the outside. He said, you are now what? A part, fellow citizens with God's kingdom. You are now a part of something bigger than yourself. Let me just tell you this. You, what Paul is saying, belong. You belong. If you received Jesus Christ, if you took his grace and by faith you said yes and took his forgiveness and his grace in your heart, you now belong somewhere. And you belong to something that is greater than anything else you could belong to in this world. Now I want you to listen to me how this becomes important. So many people compromise everything that they have to belong to something. We want to be liked. We want to be included in this clique or this group. And so we're willing to compromise our values or compromise things that that we don't really uh, want to compromise so that we'll be accepted. There's no need because you're already accepted. You already are a part of something. You already belong. You are a part of God's kingdom. And that's greater than any clique that you could ever have. You see, you are a part Look at your neighbor and say, I belong. You belong. 
The next time you feel left out, the next time you feel all alone, the next time you feel like you can't go on or, or you have to compromise to have this group like you or to fit into this group, you need to remember that you belong to something bigger than that group. You belong to the kingdom of God. As an 18-year-old student, upper-middle-class white boy, walking up to the platform on that Tuesday night in deep east Texas, there were hundreds of barriers, hundreds of walls that could have come between me and those people that were in that congregation. See, they didn't know me. They didn't know my background. They didn't know anything about me. But yet as I walked, scared, really was forced, pushed up into that platform, into that pulpit, I began to sense a, a, a sense of welcoming, a sense of encouraging. I, I remember I got there behind that pulpit and I, I stood there and luckily I'd done my devotional that day. It's all I could think of. Matter of fact, I talked about Philippians chapter 3 and looked at Philippians chapter 3 in my devotional that day. So it was on my heart. As I looked out on that congregation, I began to see them smiling and nodding. There could have been all kind of barriers. There could have been all kind. I mean, it's amazing to think how different we were and how much separated us. But yet as I stood there, all I could do was just begin to read that passage. The Apostle Paul said, not that I've already obtained all of this. When I said that, a man over on this side said, that's right. He did. Somebody else in the back. He did. Amen, amen. All of a sudden in my spirit, I began to sense something was different. So I repeated it. Not that I've already obtained all of this. Somebody in the back stood up and went, yes. I tell you, it's much easier to preach when people start talking to you. (laughs) I said, Paul said, not that I've already obtained all of this. Not that I've taken hold of this. I began to get my confidence, or I've already been made perfect. But one thing I do, and I I think I left the pulpit there, and I said, one thing I do, do you hear me, church? And they began to stand up and say, yes, yes. My friends on the front row had this weird look on their face. (laughs) Not that I've already obtained all of this, or I've already been made perfect, but one thing I do, I press on. I press on. They begin to say, press on, brother, press on. They were nodding and they were applauding. I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me in the heavenlies. In the back of my mind, the Holy Spirit began to shout, these are your people. This is your family. As I began to feel more comfortable sharing, and I, I was probably only up there three minutes. It felt like 30 But as I was just sharing and expounding on that, the Holy Spirit took over my body. And God whispered in my spirit and said, listen, they may be there and you may be here and they may have a different background than you and you may come from all kinds of different economic groups. But guess what, Rusty? You belong. 
You see, what Paul is wanting us to understand this morning is that you can leave this place and you can go to an Episcopal home study group in England or you can go over to a Coptic church in Iraq this morning or you can go down to a Bible study in Brazil and if they are preaching the Word of God and Jesus Christ and they are glorifying Him, you belong. That's your family. You're a part of something that you're never alone. That no matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, no matter how low you go or how high you go, that you're a part of something bigger. And that is enough. Amen? But Paul wanted to make it even more personal. He said, guess what? Not only do you belong to a kingdom, but you belong to a family. That's what he says in verse 19, continuing. And you are a member of God's household. That's a family. He's talking about the local church. See, we are all a part of a universal body. We are all a part of something bigger than ourselves. But what Paul is saying is you also have to find a local body that you belong to. It's one thing to be a part of this. It's another thing to be a part of this. What is this? A local God's household built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets. What's he saying? He's saying that the church was formed, the basic local church, not a building, the organic, living, breathing bride of Christ. He said it was built on the apostles and the disciples. They were the ones who started the church. He said the cornerstone was Christ Jesus himself. And the cornerstone, if you know anything about building, is one of the most important parts of building any building because it sets the stage for everything that comes afterwards. See, what he says is you've got a local body. The church in your community is supposed to be a local body built on the first church. And what Peter and Paul established in those other disciples And Jesus has to be the cornerstone of that church. What does that mean? The cornerstone is how you determine that you're straight this way and that you're straight this way and that you're straight this way. See, the cornerstone bears the weight as you build. What he says is, not only is it enough to be a part of something bigger, you've got to be a part of something local, a family. And that's got to be built on the apostles. It's got to have Jesus Christ as the cornerstone determining which way you go, how you'll lead, and make sure you keep Jesus as your focus. He said, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple on the Lord. And in him you two are being built together. The word there is fashioned together. You're being formed together. You see, the local church needs bricks, and the bricks are you. See, he says all of us in this room are not meant to be lone Christians out there doing church on your own. We were meant to be in community. And when the walls came down, as we tear down the walls, if we don't build a local community, if we don't build a body of believers, those walls will just come up because this is the bulwark. This is what holds those walls off. Let me just say this for a minute about church and about the local church and how people join churches and how people become a part of churches. You may be attracted to a church because someone told you about the music or a pastor or a person or maybe a program or a minister or ministry. You may go to church because someone said that's where everyone else is going or maybe that's where your family had you go and you just grew up in that church. But that doesn't make you a member of that church doesn't make you a brick. And it shouldn't be the reason that you join a church. 
See, those things are all good reasons to, to see about whether or not that's where you go. But, but that shouldn't draw you there. That shouldn't keep you there. Because the, what he's saying is the reason you join a church, the reason that you become a part of a local body like this is because you fit. It's because you fit. I want you to think about that in a minute for bricks and how bricks fit together. You see, what happens is you go to a church, and, and I don't know how to explain it, but you go, and you're sitting in church for the first time or the second time or the tenth time, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, this is where you belong. Not because of the preacher or because of the music. Sometimes in spite of the preacher and the music. Sometimes in spite of the programs, you're sitting there and you don't even like what's going on. And the Holy Spirit says, this is where you belong. Your brick, your family's brick fits right here. You see, they have an opening. And the Holy Spirit begins to confirm that to you. The Bible says you fit, you belong. We need bricks that fit. See, I don't grow the church. The music doesn't grow the church. You don't grow the church. God grows the church. What we're supposed to do is create an environment where people can come and looking for a place to belong feel like they belong. It's part of our purpose statement. We want to create a place where people can believe and belong and become, to belong, to be a part of a community. We want people that will come and fit. But here's what happens. The reason people move from church to church to church is they go somewhere and they find a place to fit. They fit perfectly, but they never cement themselves in. What's the cement? The cement is relationships. The cement is getting involved. The cement is getting plugged in. You see, those are the things that hold you tight when the wind comes and the storms come and the difficulties of life come. And when those are there and you're cemented in, you're not going anywhere because not only do you fit, you're cemented. What happens in a lot of churches is we try to get bricks that don't fit and make them fit. Say, well, I'm just going to be here. And we squeeze and we squeeze, and they never quite fit. Well, have you ever seen a wall that's put together of bricks that don't fit? It'll fall down the first time somebody touches it. That's why we got so many churches that are shutting down, so many churches that are closing. It's because it was a misfit, and this group tried to build their own wall, and this group tried to build their wall, and there were gaps in between and, and things that didn't fit. That's why John says in First John, he says, they left us, they left the church because they never really belonged to us, because they never really fit. You can't make something fit. Only the Holy Spirit can, and only you can know that you fit. See, I can't tell you, hey, guess what? You fit here, or you fit at the church that you go to. But there is something that happens in your spirit. You just know it. I remember when church guys came here a couple of years ago, first time they ever visited. It was the first of Sunday I gave an, an invitation for people to join the church, and they got up and came and walked down the church. I thought, they never even, this is the first time they've even walked in these doors. So they came down. I began to try to discourage them. Are you sure you want to make this decision today? You don't know anything about us. Or, said, we were sitting out there, and God said, this is where you belong. They said, we fit. This is where we fit. And we don't have to go look anymore. We don't have to go try this and try that because we fit. Our job as the church is to make an environment that keeps the walls from being built up so that people can come in this room and recognize that they fit. 
I remember the story that's told of a woman that was calling her husband, having him trying to get him up on Sunday. It was probably a day like today, trying to tell him, you've got to get up and get at church. You're supposed to be at church this morning. You need to get up. And, and he kept saying, I don't want to get up this morning. I'm tired and I'm sleepy and, you know, it's messy outside and I don't want to get up. And she said, listen, you've got to get to church. He said, I don't want to go to church. He said, that church is cold. Those people are mean. Matter of fact, nobody there even likes me. And she said, hey, that's not true. You've got to get up and go to church. And finally, she got to the point where she went in and, and she banged the door open and said, you've got to get out of bed right now. You have to be at church. She said, if I'm supposed to be at church, and tell me three reasons why I need to be there. She said, one, you need to get up and get in church because those people aren't real cold. They're nice to you, and they're nice to everyone around. Number two, they don't only not like you, they love you, and you know they love you. And number three, you're the pastor. <laughs> Listen. Paul wants us to know we already belong. If you're a believer this morning, you belong. We just need to find a place to fit. Verse 22, he says, it's being knit together, bound together. See, you belong, Christian. You're no longer alone. You're no longer an outsider. You're a part of God's family. But the question this morning is, have you found a place where you fit? Somebody said, well, why do you have people join the church then? Because see, joining the church doesn't make you fit. There's a lot of people with the names on the roll and their picture in a directory and uh, names on a card somewhere that don't fit in churches. So why do we have you do it? We have you do it because it's your way of declaring, I belong here. Publicly saying, I fit. You can build on me. You see, if you just come to church and come to church and come to church and you're not cementing and you're not getting bricked in, then how is everyone else supposed to know, hey, we can build on this family. We can stack bricks on here because as other families come, we need bricks to stack on so that we can count on, so that we can continue to build. You know why? Let me give you this picture because when you're by yourself, you can't withstand anything. A Christian without a church is like a football player fully suited up with no game. Sad. But you see, when the church begins to get built on what was established by the apostles and what was established by the early church, and Jesus is the cornerstone that guides them as they build up and guides them as they reach out, and you begin to build brick on top of brick on top of brick, guess what happens? When the winds of this life come, when, when things begin to destroy us, when, when you get destroyed by things in your life, circumstances beyond your control and you don't think you can make it guess what that brick wall will stand because you can count on the brick next to you and the brick beside you and the brick below you and the brick above you and when you don't think you can go on and you're ready to quit those bricks will keep you going that's what the church is because this world's going to blow some wind your way and you need a place that you can fit and that you can grow some of you need to recognize this morning that you already belong, that you're already a part. Three and a half hours after we started, that service came to an end. There were at least two altar calls in that little church in East Texas. People got saved. And when people got saved, that was amazing because they would dance around and scream and holler. It was a party, kind of like it's going to be in heaven when people get saved. People got delivered. We were sitting on the front row. There were people there getting delivered. It was way out of my comfort zone. Even after I got up and preached my best, 
word. It was out of my comfort zone to see these people get delivered from things in their life, from bondage that they had. People were flooding the altars in each of those altar calls, but after three and a half hours, that service was over. We began to make our way out the back, and as we were coming out the back, I, like you guys know me, I'm not the life of the party or the middle of the crowd, so I was kind of hanging inside using my two friends as a buffer uh, as we were walking out. And as we were walking out, we got to the back foyer, and this little bitty older lady, and I mean, when I say little bitty, she was little bitty, but she was older, older. I mean, grandma's grandma old. And uh, she was going out the other door, and she turned and saw us, and she pointed at me. You know what you do when somebody points at you. You act like you don't see them, right? So, I, I, you know, so I, I saw her pointing at me, but I kept kind of walking and not acting like I saw it. And she, she just kept pointing, and she was walking towards me. Well, I knew when she started walking towards me, I couldn't get away from it. And so I, I stood there, and I did the recognition nod and smiled. She came up, and she reached out, and she gave me a big hug, which was more like this. I mean, she was little. And as she was hugging me, she whispered in my ear. She said, I'm so proud of you. And I made the mistake of saying, whatever for. And she pushed, she had my shoulders, and she was looking like this. And she pushed my shoulders up, and she looked angry. She said, whatever for? Your family. See, church, you need to recognize you're a part of something bigger. When this world tells you you don't fit, when this world tells you you don't belong, when this world tells you you're strange or you're weird or you don't fit into this group, you need to hear the voice of God saying, you are mine, you belong. And you need to find a place where you can fit as we go through life together. Let's pray.